Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gaimea Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I hope that you are available today to hear the invitation of Jesus. This week's sermon is kind of a two-parter. On Sunday, we ordained Roxanne Lawler, one of our associate pastors. Roxanne has undergone a years-long process of becoming accredited by the Baptist Association, and upon completion of that process, we were able to ordain her. It was a really exciting day. And as part of that service, I spoke on a text that was special to Roxanne and her journey, Isaiah 54.2. And you can listen to that sermon on our sermon podcast. But we also interviewed her in our evening service to hear a bit more of the journey that the Lord has taken her on. And this is that interview. And I'm sure you'll be encouraged as you hear a little bit of Roxanne's story and the way in which she has taken her next faithful steps to continue to join with God in what He is doing in the world. We want to take some time tonight, as we did on Friday morning, to um, hopefully encourage you a little bit by hearing a bit more of Roxanne's story about the journey that brought her to the point where uh, she decided to get become accredited and then ordained. But before we uh, hear a bit from Rox, I thought it might be worth uh, explaining exactly what accreditation and ordination is actually all about. For those of you who've been around for a while, and if you're visiting, great to have you with us. Trust you'll stick around for dinner afterwards. Uh, both Roxanne and Matt have been appointed as pastors here at Gaimea Baptist Church. And as a membership, we appointed them to that role uh, at the beginning of this year. So at one level, you might be thinking, well, why in the world would we do anything more than that? Isn't it already kind of done. Um, the appointment of uh, Matt and Rox to an, a pastoral role was, shall I say, an internal decision. It was one where, as a community of faith, we recognized the gifts and abilities of these two uh, and, uh, and, and appointed them into that position. But should they have gone someplace else, that uh, appointment wouldn't kind of stand. Uh, so wh- what happens for Roxana, and Matt is now on this journey as well, uh, for those who um, uh, have, have felt that call into pastoral ministry, we partner with the Baptist Association. The Baptist Association is, funnily enough, an association of 350 churches across New South Wales and the ACT um, who agree to partner together in particular ways for the advancement of the kingdom. Uh, And one of those partnerships is actually in the process of accreditation. So when Roxanne kind of felt that there was a calling on her life to serve in pastoral ministry, she entered into the accreditation process. And the accreditation process is a fairly, as Matt has already suggested, a fairly onerous one. Uh, Not because they necessarily want it to be really difficult, but because they really want to make sure that people who are about to enter into pastoral ministry are prepared and equipped and ready for that task. And so there's a whole process that they go through, some of which is theological education and training and pastoral training and and skills-based in that sense. A whole bunch of it is also kind of personal. So uh, they go through a a psychological assessment uh, that they then kind of debrief with the accreditation committee. There are a couple of points in time when they're interviewed by members of that committee to help them discern and to test their sense of call. And at the end of that process, once they've kind of ticked all of those boxes, the, accredit- the association basically says that, in this case Roxanne, has met the requirements for accreditation. At which point, the local church, in this case us, we would then affirm the gifting and calling and character of Roxanne and we ordain her. 
And that comes with a title. So as Matt uh, said at the outset, she is now, as her children have already called her, the Reverend Mother, um, but she is the Reverend Roxanne Lawler. And that ordination through the accreditation and ordination process now is valid in any Baptist church across the New South Wales and ACT and beyond that as well. Uh, so that's the process that Roxanne has gone through. So it's a fairly significant one. Um, to some degree, when we appointed them pastors earlier in the year, that was kind of a, eh, you know, uh, we'll just kind of name you as pastors and off you go. This is a much more significant process uh, and one that uh, has taken Roxanne a number of years. Um, but I thought it'd be good for us to take some time to hear a bit of that journey uh, it's always encouraging to hear how God is at work in other people's lives, uh, and uh, that's certainly true with what's, what God has been doing in Rox's life. So we want to take some time to kind of hear that story, kind of an extended interview, and then I'll reflect a little bit on a particular passage that's been significant and meaningful for Roxanne. But um, Roxanne is going to join me. Would you please welcome, for the first time in the evening, the Reverend Roxanne Lawler. Uh, so, Rox, we've done this all weekend. Uh, I asked you three simple questions this morning around kind of your story, and on Friday we kind of unpacked it a little bit more. And uh, we'll, we'll put one of the stories kind of up online. So, if you're interested in kind of hearing it again, or you know someone who find it valuable, uh, that will be up on our sermon podcast. So, your journey to become a, a reverend, right? Um, it, kind of from what we've been chatting about over the course of the weekend, kind of has probably three really significant moments in it. Right? Yeah. So you became a follower of Jesus at age eight, mm-hmm. um, and uh, fairly early on, so you, were, you, you began to serve in the church. Yes, I did. And at that point in time, you really felt that God impressed upon you a particular goal. He did, yes. Um, so as you said, eight, so I'd been a Christian, grown up in a Christian home, um, but I started teaching kids church um, in my teen years and uh, there was a word actually that God had given me that I just wanted to be effective for, for his kingdom. That was, that was the one word. Just want to be effective, Lord. How can, I, how can I serve you, serve the church, do whatever it is? I didn't mind God, whatever it is, I don't care, really. It's up to you, but I want it to be effective. And that was the, the word that God had placed on my heart. How did, how did God place that word on your heart? How did Like, that were you looking through a dictionary? No. And then it's prayer? <laughs> like, no, I think it was um, probably in my prayer life. I also um, prayer journal a lot, which yeah. if you don't know what that is, it's like when you get a book and you write out your prayers. And uh, that's just a way for me to sort of um, bypass overthinking things and just to write my prayers down. And so so I think I must have been prayer journaling at that point and um, just, just praying, dear God, you know, what is it that I want to do in my life? I'm not quite sure what it is, you know, what career, what path I want to take, what it is that you want from me. But, but ultimately, the very core of what I wanted was to, to, do, to live my life in such a way that, that, um, that God was in charge and whatever I did, I was actually effective for his, him and his kingdom. Now, so, what's important about that, I think, mm-hmm. in this story is that that wasn't the call no. to ministry. No. It was just a call to be effective in whatever yeah. it was that you did. Yeah, whatever. So when you got out of uni, you went into mm-hmm. I went legal into work? Yeah, I, so I did some, uh, some stuff in a legal office, and uh, that was quite cool. I enjoyed that. And I was doing uh, things involving like family law, and, and um, like I wasn't a lawyer, I was a paralegal, but I would go to court and file documents and so on. Um, and so I was doing that sort of in my Monday through Friday and then teaching kids' church on the weekend, and, and um, I just just sort of found there was a disconnect between um, 
separating couples and, and being involved in divorce and, and the breakdown of family and then building up family on the weekend. Not that there's anything wrong with uh, being a lawyer or working in that, but it was just, I was like, is this effective? Is this what I should be doing? And, and it was a bit of a disconnect. And it was at that point I was like, oh, this seems to be a problem. Um, maybe this isn't what God wants. And I started praying and then God invited me into ministry um, over at the, um, in the National Park uh, in camping ministry at Rathane, Telford, Deer Park, Chaldecott, uh, which I know we've got some uh, staff here today who, who are serving there. So, so you, you stepped into ministry, but that still wasn't a call to pastoral ministry. It was just another opportunity. Here I am, God, use yeah. me. You did that for a while, mm-hmm. and then you had an opportunity to kind of move sideways in the yes, organization. Yes, so from hands-on camping, camping ministry mm-hmm. to more of a regional role. Yes. Where so, you kind of learned a little bit more about yeah, yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, and so in that, in that journey, um, I'd moved into resourcing and I would be able to go to different churches around Sydney and, and see what they're doing. And, and I found that I was um, really good at connecting uh, people with other people and, and cross-pollinating ideas. You know, this is what this church is doing and you could learn from them and they can learn from you. And I really loved that kingdom perspective. Yeah. Uh, I call it a helicopter view because you can see, you can sort of hover over and see who's doing what. And, and I think the church has so much to learn from the church down the road the church across town. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And I learned that, that I actually um, really like to connect people to people and people to ideas. And, and I want to see the church flourish and grow. And I did feel effective in yes. that. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, the first day in camping ministry, mm. you also met a young I, man named Mark I Lawler. did. I did meet Mark Lawler day one. <laughs> That's not awkward So at if all. anyone's looking so. for a relationship, uh, <laughs> um, camping And ministry. so you've, you've been married yeah. uh, and kind of at the tail end of that regional role, you'd had the, your yeah. children. Yes, I had some kids. Uh, and uh, when Evander was Yeah, Evander was about so, six months old. Yeah. So I had uh, three kids. Um, so there were three under three and a half, so pretty quick. Uh, and Evander was about six months old. So I had like a you know, three-year-old and all the way down to a six-month-old baby. I felt, and, and if you're a parent, you might know this feeling that um, I feel like, well, my head feels like it's coming above water and I can breathe. I've sort of got a handle on this. You know, it wasn't complete chaos all the time. It was just, you know, average chaos. And so I said to God, okay, Lord, I feel like I, feel like I could maybe teach a scripture class, maybe, you know, a 30-minute scripture class once a week. My mum will mind the kids and I can do some ministry. Uh, I think I could cope with that. Um, Lord, here it is. Uh, and then, of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> God you gave had other an plans. Engine, God took a mile. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the very next day... Yeah, I got a phone call. I got a phone call from um, Menai Baptist Church, which I ended up serving at, and, um, and they'd invited me to come and, uh, and do something with them. And the day after that, I got a phone call from someone else from that same church um, to invite me to something else for them, and they hadn't spoken to one another, and I was thinking, this is weird. And so I had contacted a friend of mine, and he said... Um, just about something randomly. He said, we're looking for a children's pastor for three days a week. Um, and then I ended up there. So that, that 30 minutes turned into... Three days. Three days, yeah. Three days. Be careful, what you, be careful what you offer the Lord. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Maths is maybe not God's strong point. Is that what... <laughs> It probably is. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. <laughs> Theologically speaking, yeah, yeah. as two accredited people. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. We'll leave it at that. Uh, you're wondering what the accreditation process What's is that like. What's um, that like? But it was while you were at then at Menai yeah. doing, the, doing the children's work yeah. that you kind of had this kind of second 
really significant yeah, kind of yeah, turning did, point. So yeah. when you were a teenager, there was that kind of word of you know, being effective, whatever that looked like. Now you found yourself in ministry with a family, all of those sorts of things. And you felt that there was another kind of, there's a scripture for you. Yeah, there was, there was. Um, God kept sort of tapping me on the shoulder with a Bible verse um, and a concept out of this Bible verse. And, uh, and the verse um, was, a, it was from Isaiah and it was about um, to, to, um, to strengthen your stakes and expand or extend your tent. And, um, and I sort of kept, it just kept coming around, you know, strengthen your stakes and enlarge your tent or expand your tent. And I realised that in ministry, um, if I wanted to be effective and if I wanted to, um, to have a, a wider ministry or if I wanted to be um, doing whatever it is that God was going to call me, I couldn't do that with, with being, um, having flimsy stakes in, in the scripture and in God. I needed to, if I wanted to, to grow and expand, like it's all about strengthening your stakes and I needed to get into the word, I needed to get into the scripture, I needed to get into the Lord, I needed to find out stuff about me and go deep. So how yeah. long how long had you I mean you you came to faith at eight. Yeah. You'd started camping ministry yeah, in your yeah. early twenties. How long had you been in ministry by ooh, this point gosh, in time? Ooh, yeah, a long time. Um like a good, maybe 10 years? I don't ten know, years, something okay. like that. So, so and I'd done some to, study, yeah. but yeah, I'd done some study, but I was like, oh no, it needs to be So you came to a point where you felt like that was the word for you. Yeah, this kind yeah. Of, it just kind of kept coming back at yep. you again. And then you had a dream. I did. I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream. I don't know if anyone uh, has ever had dreams or visions from God. Uh, I didn't recognize it initially as something from God. It only happened when I uh, spoke it out. But um, as I was going through this and God was saying, you've got to go deep into the scriptures and deep into me uh, if you want to sort of be affected and expand and have a ministry. Um, I, I dreamt that I was at the campsites and I was on the edge of an abseiling cliff, which was a, a bit of a steep cliff. And, and as I was walking along the edge of the cliff, the, the um, side of the cliff was actually not made of sandstone. It was made of like besser blocks or... Um, you know, like what you would make a retaining wall out of. Uh, so, and it was like a man-made facade. And, and as I stepped along the, the edge of this cliff, the facade, this, this man-made structure would just crumble underneath my feet. And, and I was thinking, far out, this is terrible, uh, because it would just crumble, this besser block concrete. And I would jump, 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 and I was jumping further along the side of the cliff, um, but it kept crumbling and I couldn't get to stable ground. And in the dream, eventually, I got the, the sort of the picture that what I had to do was step away from the edge of the cliff, but, but when I stepped back away from the edge of the cliff, there was solid sandstone, solid rock that didn't crumble, that didn't fall apart, and it was natural, and it was created by God, not created by people, uh, and it was something that I could stand on, and I thought, that's a weird dream, and so I woke up in the morning and said to Mark Lawler, I'm like... I had the weirdest dream, and as soon as I spoke it out, the, the insight just came to me immediately, and, and I had to speak it out in order to understand it. And I felt that God was saying, you know, you, you're actually, what you're building on, what you, your foundation on is actually a man-made facade. It's a construction of, of people. And what I need you to do is to, to stand on my word that you're going to discover for yourself, which is natural, which is true, which has stood for thousands and thousands of years and will stand for thousands more. So from that, mm -hmm. from that, that scripture, yep. from that dream, from conversations yep. with Mark and others, yep. and kind of key people in your life, you decided that you'd go to Bible college. So you start kind of chipping away yep. at that. Um, and, and that wasn't a simple kind of learning process. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were chatting last week, you were talking about not a, significant, a, a particular moment in time, but kind of the struggle that you had 
coming to grips with scripture. Yeah, 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 I did. Um, so I did, um, I did have struggles with that because when, like before you go to Bible college, you, you tend to read the Bible devotionally. So you read it and um, it's about, um, you know, you, you read it and you apply it to your own life, but you don't really know how it's, um, how it's formed, how the scriptures are put together, uh, who wrote them, or when they wrote them, what scholars think about it. And it was actually a massive learning curve for me and, and quite a, um, didn't, it didn't shake my faith, that's not the right word, but, but just kind of uh, threw it up a little bit and then kind of resorted it. Um, because when you go and you, you hear about, you know, how, you know, how was Isaiah written? You know, how, what about Jeremiah? You know, like when, what about the Psalms? You know, how does this work? Um, you, you're reading it sort of through that academic lens. And so it, it was actually quite difficult to, to reconcile my devotional reading of the scriptures, which is a bit warm and fuzzy and lovely, uh, to actually um, pulling it apart almost and, uh, and seeing, you know, how it's made. Uh, and so that was a journey, and, uh, but I'm, I'm so thankful that God took me on it because I think it's a, a worthy, worthwhile journey to, to, to go through. I mean, that, that process, and for those of you who have done some study or have thought about study or have just even dipped a toe in, that's a very common experience. Um, suddenly the Bible is a textbook rather than kind of scripture mm -hmm. uh, in a funny kind of way, and it can be a little bit unsettling as things kind of get thrown up in the air and you start trying to work out all of those sorts of questions. What, what would you say were some of the keys to helping you through that journey? Because I think that that journey, that you don't have to go to Bible college to have that sense of your beliefs kind of thrown into the air and kind of go, what do I believe about this stuff? What were some of the key components of kind of getting you through the other side with your faith intact? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think being honest about the journey that, that God had me on as well and, and just be like, you know what? And, and, and talking to God, uh, and, and like, God, you know, what the heck is going on here? You know, how does this work? So being, just being honest about my, my journey, uh, the, I, I, I honestly think that the voice of the church and those who have been um, ahead of the journey uh, in us or, or who are walking alongside us, just talking to Christians who, who I trusted, who I knew, who'd built their life on, on Christ, having their testimony, their voice in my ear was, was invaluable in that time. Um, so being honest, yeah, listening to people, uh, persevering even though I didn't understand it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think also I had been a Christian for a while now, so I had the benefit of a look in the rearview mirror. And so I'd had experiences of God that I knew weren't just um, you know, made up, that, that God had spoken into my life, that God had revealed things to me about him, that, that things had happened that weren't just coincidences, you know, they were answered prayer. So I'd had, I'd had sort of almost a bank uh, of experiences that I could draw from uh, in that season. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, so the kind of the third moment that, that I want to kind of draw on, you uh, were at, at Menai for a number of years, got a call from Carl Fays. So God spoke to you again, uh, and uh, you joined our staff here. Now, you still hadn't felt like there was a call to pastoral ministry, right? There was the desire to be effective, there had been the work about strengthening your stakes. And it wasn't until, like, the penny didn't drop until you had some yep. colleagues kind of connect the connect dots Connect the dots for, for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, which is the, the benefit of listening to those around you in your church community. Uh, so I was actually at Arrow Leadership, which I'm involved in still, uh, and we had to do what's known as an integrated vision statement or a personal vision statement, which you kind of have a really deep look at, at what you, 
you, you understand about God, uh, about, you know, who you understand about you and what God's called you to do in your life. And, and so it's quite a deep process and you work that out in community. And it was my turn to share my integrated vision statement with my group. And, um, and I said to them, I don't know what I am. Like, I, I, I've written all this stuff and I'm something like a cheerleader. Like, I like to cheer people on and encourage them in their faith. And, and I like to see them flourish and, and grow, you know, whether it's coming to faith or growing in their faith. And, and I really like to connect people to people and people to ideas and people into the scriptures. And I like to bring out of scriptures treasures old and new. And, and, and I want to see that, you know, the church flourish. And I want to gather the lost sheep and bring them into community. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And uh, Steve Dixon, who used to be the um, youth pastor here back in the day, uh, looked at me and he's quite sarcastic. And he looked at me and went, I think you'll find that's a pastor uh, like that. And I was like, oh, right. And the rest of the group were kind of like rolling their eyes at me. Now, now <laughs> why had that never occurred to you? I, I suspect, um, looking, and this is looking through the rearview mirror, I suspect that if um, I had been on this journey um, since I was eight and been passionate about ministry for years and years and years, uh, I suspect if I was a, a guy, I think someone might have shoulder tapped me and said, hey, have you thought about pastoral ministry? Uh, you know, like, you know, you've got some gifts in this area, you've got some things that you can offer the church, you obviously love Jesus and you're super passionate about it. You know, have you, maybe you should think about and pray about whether God is inviting me into pastoral ministry. And I actually think that I hadn't seen a woman pastor that looked like me. Uh, and so I didn't sort of draw the, draw the line. I didn't connect the dots. I mean, I'd heard of women pastors. They're not unicorns. Um, but, you know, like I couldn't see, um, couldn't see anyone that looked like me doing that. Hmm. Now, we, um, I mentioned that um, you know, the local church ordains as a community faith here. The accreditation ordination process has not been around forever, but it's been around for a while. But we've only ordained four people. Uh, I was ordained here a long time ago when unicorns still strode the earth. Um, uh, we um, ordained Drew Harrison, who was a student pastor. We ordained Mark Coleman, who was accredited prior to joining us. And then we've accredited, sorry, we've ordained Roxanne. So Roxanne is the first woman that we've ordained. Um, yeah, which is cool. Um, and, 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 and stands in line with a fairly long heritage as a community of faith of um, affirming women, uh, their giftedness, their call. But that doesn't mean that it's not hard work to kind of unpick that. So how did you go kind of working through that mental, spiritual, biblical, cultural roadblock of kind of going, I feel the call of God. I recognize that there's gifts that I have. There's been opportunities that I've taken. I feel that there's more in this. I haven't seen someone like me. What was that journey like for you? That was hard. Yeah, so that, um, that is difficult. And I do feel for particularly young women who are navigating, um, you know, their, their understanding of scripture and what it says about the role of women in church and et cetera, et cetera, because there is all the information in the world out there. And um, I think the way I navigated my understanding um, was um, based, based on the character of God and what I knew of God. Um, you can read the Bible and come away with um, what's known as a complementarian understanding of scripture, where um, the idea is that uh, leadership 
leadership and the gifts um, to lead the church are sort of the exclusive domain of men. So you can read the Bible, and I know godly, godly people who, who have that understanding, and I love them still, and they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but you can read the same scriptures and come away with what's known as an egalitarian reading of scripture, where it's actually more about, you know what, God has gifted us um, equally, and um, here it is. Um, and so for me, I, uh, I could see that you could sort of fall on either side of the divide, but I, I kind of really drew on the character of God and what I knew uh, God's heart to be, and that was, the, that was kind of my uh, north star in, in that respect. Um, you know, I could read the scripture, I could see God's actions through um, what he'd done in my life and the lives of others, and, and know that, yep, I, I'm yeah, this is, this is what I think that God wants from me because of his character and who he has revealed himself to be. Um, so it wasn't an easy path in some respects. Um, yeah, yeah, and I do feel for people going through that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that your statement about, you know, you'd followed God for a long time and mm. been in ministry for mm. a long time, and yet, uh, and I think you're right, I think you probably would have been shoulder-tapped quite a long time ago, yeah. which I think is, uh, that's another question. Maybe it's a fourth question we can do that on the podcast. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, I, the, the end result, I mean, you, as you kind of have gone through your journey, one of the things that you've drawn on a few times, not necessarily tonight, but in the other conversations we've had, is that God has never shown you the destination. He's never kind of said, there's the horizon, that's where you're heading. It's been kind of a step-by-step, -step, a little bit at a time. Can you just reflect a little bit on on that journey for our community of faith, the importance of taking steps of faith. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a, a Bible verse, which I'm probably going to take out of context again. Uh, <laughs> but um, it talks about your word is a light to my, uh, lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And, and I think about that in, in the lights that they had back in the Psalms, um, that they didn't have a, a spotlight or a, you know, even an iPhone to, to illuminate their path. All they had was this little candlelight, this little lamp, and, and they could only see the next step in front of them. And that's very much been my experience. God has never illuminated the, uh, the, the straight highway for me. He's only ever showed me that iterative process and, and shown me the next place to, to step into, the next little circle of light that I have to just obediently step into, trusting in him. And, uh, and that's, that's definitely been my, my journey all along. And, and knowing God and getting uh, grounding in the scriptures, uh, getting to know God personally and having a strong devotional life and being able to listen to the voice of the saints, my brothers and sisters in Christ around me has really helped me to, to, to focus on God and, and to pray and to just take those steps, even though I don't know where they're going to lead, I don't know where they're going to land, I don't know where it is God is taking me, but I know that he is a good and faithful God who desires to see the whole world come to know him. He, he desires to see people flourish, people come into relationship with him. And, and if I just have to take a little step of obedience to, to be part of that, then I'm going to do it because I trust in God. Yeah. Before we thank Roxanne, I, like, I, I hope you're encouraged by that. I think sometimes we can assume that, oh, people who get called into ministry, it's some sort of burning bush, an angel, like something really obvious, like it's not for me. But in reality, I think all of us experience that kind of walk with God, where God shows us the next bit, and we take a step, and he shows us the next bit, and we take a step. And, you know, there's a scripture here, and a vision there, and a word from, the, from somebody here, and conversations with other people, and slowly but surely, we kind of 
kind of pull together where God's leading us. Uh, and so I trust that you have been encouraged by that. Uh, you have a chance afterwards, obviously, to chat to Rox. But um, let me lead us for a moment in prayer for Roxanne as we move on in our service. Heavenly Father, thank you for the way in which you lead and guide us, and thank you for the ways in which you've led uh, Roxanne. We thank you for the gifts and abilities that you have given to her, the opportunities that she has stepped into. We thank you for her faithfulness uh, to take that next faithful step, and pray that wherever you do lead her, she would continue to place her faith in you. Uh, We pray that you would bless her ministry here amongst us. We thank you for bringing her here at such a time as this and ask that as she um, begins to and continues to follow you in this new season, that she would experience your blessing and the certainty that she is where you want her to be. We pray for each one of us that we might be um, open to your invitation, that we might continue to take our own faithful steps. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you thank Rox again? As we are near the end of the year, there is no Discipleship Menu or Big 3 podcast this week. They'll both kick off again in January. But we would love for you to join us at one of our services this weekend. You can join us on Friday at 10 a.m., Sunday mornings at 9.30 or at 6 p.m. Our 9.30 service will continue to be live-streamed, and we'd love for you to join us online at www.gbconline.org.au. Until then, God bless. God bless.